In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins to God our Father, asking him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you and for his sake forgives you all your sins. As a called and ordained servant of Christ, I therefore forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.
The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O Lord, absolve your people from their offenses, that they that from the bonds of our sins, which by reason of our frailty we have brought upon ourselves, we may be delivered by your bountiful goodness through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The first lesson for the last Sunday of the church year is written in the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 65. Behold, I will create new heavens and a new earth, The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create, for I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and of crying will be heard in it no more. Never again will there be in it an infant who lives but a few days, or an old man who does not live out his years, he who dies at a hundred will be thought to a mere youth. He who fails to reach a hundred will be considered accursed. They will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them or plant and others eat. For as the day of a tree, so will be the days of my people. My chosen ones will long enjoy the works of their hands. They will not toil in vain or bear children doomed to misfortune, for they will be a people blessed by the Lord, they and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb will feed together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. But dust will be the serpent's food. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, says the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Great are the works of the Lord. Alleluia, alleluia. My heart is stirred by a noble theme as I recite my verses for the King. your sword upon your side, O mighty one. Clothe yourself with splendor and majesty. Yeah, 
and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. I will perpetuate your memory through all generations. Therefore the nations will praise you forever and ever. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was The second lesson is written in the first letter of St. Paul to the Thessalonians, chapter 5. Now, brothers, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying, peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you brothers are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. This is the word of the Lord. Please stand. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of the heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 25th chapter. Glory be to you, O Lord. 
Jesus said, At that time the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, your lamps are going out, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins, who were ready, went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, others also came. Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth. I don't know you. Therefore keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to you.
Grace and peace to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. No one likes to wait. Whether that means waiting for the spring to come or waiting for vacation, whether you're waiting to get in to see the doctor, waiting for people who are always slow or behind schedule, or waiting to finally be married, or waiting for Jesus to return. No one likes to have to wait. But waiting is worse. It's far worse if either you don't know if or when that waiting will ever end, or if you're not actually ready or prepared for what you're waiting for. In other words, waiting is far worse if you're foolish than if you are wise. Because if you're wise, you would have prepared yourself for a long wait. If you know you have to wait for the doctor, you could bring a book. If you're waiting to be married, there's things that you can do to prepare yourself while you wait. Or if you're waiting in the night for a bridegroom to come, you could bring extra oil for your lamp. And, and if you're not ready, well, a long wait provides some time for you to get ready. The foolish virgins in our gospel for today were neither ready for the long wait, nor were they ready when the bridegroom appeared. They had not brought any extra oil for their lamps because they didn't expect the bridegroom to be delayed nearly so long, which was foolish. Or, or which is more foolish still, they didn't remember that lamps burning in the dark at night use up oil and they don't last forever. Or, or they didn't remember that the night was so long or so dark. And when the bridegroom came, because they had not prepared earlier, then they were un then unprepared to meet the bridegroom. They missed him. At that late hour, they could not borrow oil from others, and they were, therefore were not recognized at the door or welcomed into the wedding hall. The point of comparison in this parable is fairly obvious. Jesus, the heavenly bridegroom, has promised to return to take back his people, his bride, his church, to himself, united to himself, and to celebrate with him an eternal feast forever. But he's been a long time in coming. It's been a long night of waiting. He said, he told us that he was coming back, but he never specified a day or an hour 
not even a century or a millennium, when he would come. We heard last Sunday that with the Lord a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day, and here we are. It's been nearly 2,000 years. That's a long time to us. But all this time his church, his bride, has been waiting. He will come. And when he comes, some who have waited for him will be welcomed into the feast. They will enter in. Others will not. The difference between the two, the entrance requirement, we know from the scriptures, is faith in Christ. It is trust in the saving life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. It is repentance and forgiveness of sins in Jesus' name. But faith, like lamps, requires oil, fuel. And time in the dark night uses it up. And during the night, all kinds of things, like crosses, trials, temptation, weariness, doubt, fear, stress, and all kinds of things like these, all of these use up our stores. Time, life in this fallen world and in our sin-darkened night, left by ourselves would soon deplete our stores of faith. It is not something that once you have, it's always there. It is something that can run out. But the means, the means by which faith is to be sustained, to be nourished, is the same means by which it is created. It is the working of God the Spirit in the means of the Spirit. We call them the means of grace, the, the good news of Jesus in his word and sacrament. And at the middle of the night, when the bridegroom finally comes, those who trust in him at that late hour, will enter. But not everyone will. Including some who once did. That is, those who once waited for him, who once believed in him. But it doesn't matter if they once waited, once believed. And it also doesn't matter if you, if you happen to know someone else nearby who still has faith, as if you can borrow from them because you're nearby, maybe because you're a member of the same church. No one else's faith can save you. So the time to repent, the time to believe is now. And the time to prepare for a long wait is also now. If you're foolish, if you're foolish, then you can assume that the oil in the lamp at the beginning of the night will be enough until the bridegroom comes. You'll be fine, tell yourself. 
If you're foolish, assume that whatever faith, whatever confidence in Christ you had when you were, say, age 14, when you were confirmed, that should be good. You'll have everything that you need for a long life of waiting. You can assume, if you're foolish, that life's trials, temptations in the dark hours of the night, they won't deplete your stores. If you're foolish, you can assume that the wait probably won't be that long anymore. And so your children will probably be fine and they they won't need to be prepared for a whole lifetime of challenges to faith. Actually, if you're foolish, assume that it'll probably be easier for them as the night goes on. And they don't need as much as you did. They'll be fine with less oil than you needed. If you're foolish, don't bother about extra oil. The minimum will be plenty if whatever you think is the minimum amount of instruction in the Word of God. Whatever you think is the minimum of of attendance at the divine service or reception of Holy Communion or searching the Scriptures on your own or together, that should be fine. Tell yourself that it's boring bored with God, bored with his word, bored with church. Take a nap. Tell yourself if you need more later, you'll get more later. Maybe, maybe someday when you get sick. Maybe someday when you're dying. Maybe if Jesus actually comes, then you'll deal with all of this then. For now, tell yourself you're fine and your kids are fine. If you are foolish... if you do not believe Jesus or his words now. Do not expect the door to be opened to you. Expect rather to hear, I don't know you. But if you are wise, then you will recognize your folly and repent now then you will heed Jesus' warning and prepare yourselves and your children for a long night ahead because you don't know how long the night will be. You don't know how hard it will be or how dark. So you fill your lamps now and extra jars too. You fill them with more than you think you need. So, so you, when you think of your instruction, your catechesis in the faith, in the Word of God, you consider that to be a lifelong pursuit, not something to be fit into a couple of hours in your youth or an hour a week. The wise one knows that he doesn't know it all. So he searches the scriptures diligently. He ponders them. He reads, learns, marks, inwardly digests them. If you are wise, then attending to to the preview of this marriage feast, the banquet of word and sacrament every Lord's Day is a great starting point for the wise. 
but you have many more opportunities over time. And in fact, at this late hour of the night, I'd say that you and I have an embarrassment of riches in this regard, in opportunities to be immersed in the Word of God. Think of it. We have Bible studies at church. We have resources, books, recordings galore for the home and for on the go. Many of you probably even have in your pocket at this moment a device that will, if you ask it to, will actually read the Bible out loud to you if you want. Among the many riches are the Psalms, hymns, and songs of the church, which which are the Word of God, wedded to notes, to music, enabling the Word of God to embed itself deeply into our very being. That through constant, through regular repetition, these texts are able to stay within us deeper into the night, which may last even into the the dark shadows of dementia someday and can continue to fuel our faith until the very end. If you are wise, then you know that the faith of future generations, should Jesus tarry, cannot be borrowed from ours. It must be worked in each new generation from the oil of word and sacrament from God himself. Therefore, we will, being wise, spare no effort or expense to bring to them every opportunity to fill their lamps for a long night ahead. I don't think at this point we can expect them to need less. If we are wise, then even if the bridegroom is further delayed, even if he is delayed a lot longer. Even if we all fall asleep, if he takes so long that every single one of us falls asleep and is laid to rest out at the cemetery, even then, then when the cry rings out, come out to meet the bridegroom, then we shall hear his voice. For faith hears. We'll hear his voice and arise and trim our lamps and enter the banquet hall. Waiting is no fun, but it's worse if you're foolish. If you're wise, you prepare yourself for the long night and continually throughout, but most especially what you prepare, you prepare to meet your bridegroom, your Jesus. I remember what it was like to prepare to wait to be married a long time. I remember counting down day by day for like three years waiting for that. And then to rejoice at the opportunity to be entered into that joyous estate and still I'm thankful for it. In the Old Testament, the patriarch Jacob, you might recall, agreed to work 
for his uncle Laban for seven years in order to marry his beloved Rachel, but we are told they seemed to him only a few days to him because of his love for her. You see, the thing that makes our long night of waiting for Jesus to return possibly could last our whole lives the thing that makes that a pure joy and worth every minute of the wait and every bit of preparation, it's not in the end our wisdom or our preparation. It's not anything you do at all. The thing that makes it worth the wait is our bridegroom. It is our Jesus. So that when he returns, this long wait will seem like nothing at all. Amen. Please stand. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We now join in confessing the Christian faith using the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God.
Let us pray for the whole Church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Heavenly Father, send forth your Son, we pray, to lead home his bride, the Church, that with all the company of the redeemed we may finally enter his eternal wedding feast. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, our hope is in you. Grant all pastors and servants of your church to proclaim that hope in boldness and clarity. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Grant to all your baptized people diligence to watch for the Savior's appearing, that they may be prepared for that joyous day. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. King of the nations, hear our prayers for those who lead our country and all who serve in our military. Fill them with your wisdom and protect them in every danger. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, you promise everlasting joy to your people. Remember all in trying circumstances, the sick, the suffering, the dying, the mourning. Comfort them with your divine promises and grant your healing peace. Lord, in your mercy. Giver of the feast, you provide a foretaste of the divine wedding banquet at your son's table. Grant repentance and faith to all who commune this day that they may receive his body and blood in a worthy manner and show forth his praise in their lives. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, Heavenly Father, graciously receive our prayers. Deliver and preserve us. For to you alone we give all glory, honor, and worship. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly good and right that we should at all times and in all places give you thanks, O Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Everlasting God. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who out of love for his fallen creation, humbled himself by taking on the form of a servant, becoming obedient to death, even death upon a cross. Risen from the dead, he has freed us from eternal death and given us life everlasting. Therefore, with all the saints on earth and hosts of heaven, we praise your holy name and join their glorious song.
Blessed are you, O Lord of heaven and earth. We praise and thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ. And we remember the great acts of love through which he has ransomed us from sin, death, and the devil's power. By his incarnation, he became one with us. By his perfect life, he fulfilled your holy will. By his innocent death, he overcame hell. By his rising from the grave, he opened heaven. Invited by your grace and instructed by your word, we approach your table with repentant and joyful hearts. Strengthen us through Christ's body and blood, and preserve us in the true faith until we feast with him and all his ransomed people in glory everlasting. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Therefore, O Lord, according to his institution, we, your servants, celebrate here before your divine majesty with these your holy gifts, the commemoration your Son has willed us to make. Remembering his blessed passion, mighty resurrection, and glorious ascension, we give you most hearty thanks for the innumerable benefits he has secured for us. And we humbly ask you to grant that by his merits and death and through faith in his blood, we in your whole church may receive forgiveness of sins and all other benefits of his passion. Taught by our Lord and trusting his promises, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
We give you thanks, O Lord, for the foretaste of the heavenly banquet that you have given us to eat and to drink in this sacrament. Through this gift, you have fed our faith, nourished our hope, and strengthened our love. By your Spirit, help us to live as your holy people until that day when you will receive us as your guests at the wedding supper of the Lamb, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace.